Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tiger famously as a kid used to have a poster of Jack Nicholas on his wall. Kind of like people who are my age. We used to have that. You remember the Supreme Court poster of all the great yeah. NBA players yes. wearing the black robes yep. and that kind of thing? You know, everybody has... I figured guy. you for a Farrah Fawcett uh, I was poster. Yeah. <laughs> of but go ahead. By the way... <laughs> The Farrah Fawcett in the red bathing suit was yeah. certainly on Stephen Sands' wall. The Tony Kornheiser show is on now. A lot of things to get to. Bonnie came over here the other day, as in Bonnie gets it done, and brought a lot of mail. Mail that is sent to Bonnie. If you want to send gifts, and I'm discouraging you from sending gifts, don't send gifts. But if you want to send gifts, Send them to me, Karabani, at, you know, the uh, PTI show, the ABC building at DeSales Street. And she'll be the filter. Yeah, Bonnie will go through it, and Bonnie will bring stuff over. But you really mean to send gifts, but only of a certain, you know, level. Yeah. Right. For example. (laughs) Top shelf. This comes from Jesse Friedman. This came through Bonnie. Please let me know if this is actually received and read, because I want to send Tony something. Jesse from Brooklyn. Hey, again, old man, I don't know, maybe you remember my older emails, or maybe they're printed on a piece of paper hanging out of your mouth. Long story short, I went to a card and signing show today in Tarrytown, New York. I live in Brooklyn. Some people think card shows can be sad. See The Wrestler. Wrestler's a great movie. Oh, yeah. But I love the experiences I get speaking to some of these guys. A conversation I had with Buck Showalter about the 2014 ALCS today was unbelievably genuine. Or he's an actor on the side. On the program were the aforementioned Buck, Dwight Gooden, Pete Alonzo, Johan Santana, Bobby Bonilla, all local New York favorites, of course. Sneaking onto that list was one actor, John Martino. Naturally, being the elder millennium, millennial that I am, I'm the same age as Michael, and my daughter is the same age as Bootsy. I had no, no idea who he was, so I thought nothing of it. Then yesterday, I decided to Google him. Lo and behold, it's Paulie from The Godfather. I don't know The Godfather... That well, again, elder millennial here. So further use of the Google machine showed me that scene with that line. I could not pass up the opportunity. So here you go, Mr. Tony, as a thank you for the years of levity and escapism every morning that you've offered me and fellow Littles. For those of you keeping score on their cheesery bingo card, you can now check off John Martino writing it on a photo. And it is the scene from The Godfather where Richard Castellano... um, Clemenza. Clemenza has the cannoli in his hand and it says, leave the gun, take the cannoli. And it says to Tony, La Cheeserie. And it says Paulie. And Paulie's head is blown open yeah, it's in not, the car. Yeah, it's not a good moment for Paulie. Well, it's, <laughs> it's the end. It is the end. I got yes. this. I don't know what to do with this, but I'll try and find a place to put it up. Sure. At some point. That's going to go on the PTI set. Oh, yeah, yeah I think to. it will go on the PTI sure. set. And can I just say, uh, we definitely appreciate this, but when he's the excuse... I'm an elder millennial, so I'm not familiar with The Godfather. Watch it. Just watch it. Watch it 10 times not, like the rest of us. Yes. Yeah, Is that available on HBO? <laughs> yes. Just Only every it. other night. Watch it. From Mike McKittrick in Washington, Indiana. Four weeks ago, I was fighting for my life at an emergency room a thousand miles from home. All my vital signs were terribly off. And over the course of the 10 hours it took to get me stabilized, five different specialists were in and out of my ER room doing their best to determine what was going on. After two days, it was determined that I had sepsis a potentially deadly infection of the blood. The infection was strep. The docs then informed my wife and I that because I'm allergic to the antibiotic of choice to kill this strep, they would be bringing in a sub off the bench. 
That evening, I could not shut off my brain. Every bad scenario imaginable passed through my thoughts. Then I had a thought. I hit the call button for my nurse. Upon her arrival, I asked her to retrieve my cell phone and earbuds. I was covered with a mass of wire and tubes. I quickly went to the podcast app and clicked on your most recent show. The familiar refrain, previously on the Tony Kornheiser show, shifted my gears. Then your voice came on, your familiar voice. Tony, I did not click on your podcast for your delightful rants or humorous story about Jesse. I tuned in to be comforted, and you supplied it. I hope you will take this as my ultimate compliment to you. I think you spoke not more than 10 words, and I was fast asleep. Bless you, Tony Kornheiser. P.S. Obviously, I survived. I got months of things I need to do to get back my strength and stamina and to get my body chemistries back at normal levels, but no pity party here. Grateful to be alive. That's a very interesting story. One of the things we got the other day is actually amazing. This is a gift that I have not shown to either of you, have I? No, I don't. It always makes you happy when you have this kind of a surprise. (laughs) This is great. And you're both going to walk out of here with these and you're going to love it. Dear Mr. Tony, allow me to apologize for sending you something in the mail. You've made it abundantly clear that you don't want people to send you things. Well, I just add parenthetically, except gummy bears. <laughs> While at the same time, you seem very willing to receive a box of that. I'm walking a thin line here and can only hope you've opened the package and read this far. I contend that the small token of thanks should fit into the box of that category. In my never-ending quest to find new hobbies in my mid-50s, I picked up laser engraving at the Maker's Lab at my local community college. Had a simple idea that I thought would make a fun item that loyal littles would enjoy. It's a coaster set, custom made with phrases from the podcast that any longtime listener should know. I've included a set of wooden coasters, along with a couple made from slate. I found similar items to be quite useful. They won't help with your big water bill at the little house, but they could protect the furniture from the dreaded ring of shame produced by a hot or cold beverage. I'm not trying to profit for these, and if you want me to not make these available, just have Michael tell me to knock it off. I tried to only include catchphrases that come from the banter, not to infringe on name, image, or likeness. I admit I'm a dope who doesn't know if he's crossed that line. But I'd be happy to provide them to any littles that might want them. And any profit that comes after supplies, fees, and shipping, I will send to a group I support that's building a school in Zimbabwe or some other cause if you have a favorite. And just for fun, I included a discount code for these. Use the code CHESSIE, C-H-E-S-S-I-E, at checkout and save $5. Use the code, people. I have them over on my Etsy site at foothillscollective.etsy.com. You've mentioned this before back in March of 2021 when I sent you the Binghamton lamp. Thanks for the unexpected mention. The Littles responded in a pretty big way. I do hope your lamp is still working, by the way. If all goes well, you will find these useful. If not, they'll land in the box of that reject pile. Either way, it was fun to make and worth the risk. Larry Marshall, Zanesville, Ohio. You have a lot of ground to cover in each podcast. Don't feel obligated to acknowledge or read this at all. Consider this simply a gift to say thanks for the smart and funny content. Open these and look at them. I call dibs on the Andy Poland. Oh, my. You're seeing them for the first time. For the first time. It's also a great reminder that uh, all of our local communities have some great resources if you know where to look. Just absolutely wonderful what this happened. Let me talk about uh, the Pyrrhic victory that I had yesterday. Um... I knew that they would not allow carts on Columbia yesterday because they want to allow them today because today is a holiday. So I knew that this would happen. And I walked the golf course with my son, uh, all 18. And I'm in terrible pain today, which I sort of knew would happen. I didn't hit one shot worth saving until the last hole on 18. I hit a really good shot. They got blown back by the wind into the bunker, which annoyed me. 
Had I kept real score, I would have shot 150 Oof. yesterday. I was that terrible. And yet I loved it. Did you have a nice time? Yeah, I did. My, my relationship with golf, uh, you know, with young kids has definitely changed. And I was just happy yesterday to be outside walking with you. I texted you the day before and it now takes, you know, it takes hours in advance to try and set up how we can manage the kids. Yeah. And for you, I'm sitting there pulling balls out of bunkers yeah. so that you don't, you know, further hurt yourself. And it's the distance as you walk. Any golfer knows this, the 50 yards that separate you, where you just sort of walk down together, uh, you know, lockstep, and you're just happy to be there. Lovely. Uh, I and it realize was windy, this, too. Number four, for those of you who know Columbia Fooler, dad almost fooled me when he pulled out driver and uh, rocketed it 160 <laughs> yards over the green across yeah. the path. Yeah, and that was stupid of me, but I didn't have any other club that I thought would get there because <laughs> the wind was coming in. The wind was really coming right. in. What a lovely day. Yeah, it was nice. I'm just in pain, you know, but I, I'm glad I did it. I mean, at my age to be able to walk 18, come on, that's a really good thing. Jason Anschutz, who is from Fargo, North Dakota, and is a frequent emailer, I'll just get to this, and then we'll get to the golf. I wanted, not my golf, the golf. I was rooting for Max Homa yesterday, because Max Homa, Wilbon informed me, is a PTI watcher. Oh. So I was rooting for Max Homa. Smart and funny, makes sense. Yeah. Now, Max Homa didn't lose that tournament. John Rahm won that tournament. Almost lost it, saved it, won it. Yeah, John Rahm was unsettled from about 10 to 14, about in that area. Yeah. And, and Max Homa took a one-shot lead that he gave back with a bogey on 13 or something like that. But John Rahm won this tournament by hitting a 45-foot birdie on 14 on the par 3. 45-foot birdie that looked reminiscent of the birdie putts he was making at Torrey Pines when he right. won the U.S. Open. Left to right, which is what he's For a, a right-handed great... golfer, that is one of the hardest putts you can have. Anything that's left to right with some distance. And he, he pours those in at a time when his putting did not look that confident. No. And then on 16, the next and last par 3, he hit it to 3 feet off the tee. And birdie, that's it. 14 and 16, he wins right there. He's the number one player in the world. And he earned it, and he was great. Yeah, and, and you look at the storyline, John Rahm had the lead going in by a good number, but both storylines, Homa and Rahm, you have two players who are sort of uh, mirroring Phil and Tiger from 20 years ago, where they've become specialists of winning in California. Uh, John Rahm now has won a few times this year. And what's really cool to see you is his maturation where he talks. You've always seen him being a, a hothead on the course. He gets pretty angry, fired up. And he, he spoke so uh, so clearly about how his young kids, he, he now picks them up after every win, and that's the tour move. His young kids, when he got home after that round on the third round, he picks them up the next two hours, takes his mind away from the golf and helps him, helps him settle in. He's wonderful. He's a wonderful player. And that was, I watched that all day. I did not watch one play of the NBA All-Star game. Not one. That's junk, as Will Bond would say. You don't watch PGA Tour Live, though, right? No, don't watch that. I was going to ask you, because this, uh, this is now the window where I watched, you know, the early rounds, you get Tiger, JT, and Rory, right. and uh, beyond the, the social commentary that, get that T-Dubs and, and JT were talking about trying to make uh, women's health products yeah. more accessible yeah, uh, and trying yeah. to use some of that player impact uh, money to get it into schools. I didn't watch the main, the main sort of feed until late Sunday. Yeah, I don't get that. I, that's an ESPN Plus. It is, yeah. They ought to get, I am, I'm an employee. Yeah, but they don't want to give you the Disney Plus, too. I don't mm. want anything. I just want to watch the golf. Anyway, from Jason Anschutz, as I talked about. I wanted to write simply to commend you for letting Liz Clark cook on Friday's show. I've never been a fan of NASCAR, nor auto racing in general, but Liz proved once again that listening to smart people talk about their passions can be fascinating no matter the topic. 
It doesn't hurt that she's a great storyteller as well. I've wondered for years now why I love this show so much, and Liz's segment helped me figure it out. Whether it's Tim Kirchin talking about baseball, Andy Byer handicapping the Triple Crown, or Tony Kornheiser talking about local weather or the phases of the moon, <laughs> the show delivers smart people talking about their passions every single episode. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate that. Um, I watched 10 minutes, 15 minutes at the end of the Daytona 500, and I didn't understand what happened. Yeah, it was, I thought uh, but, Kurt Busch was going to win, and then suddenly Ricky Stenhouse Jr. won, and I didn't, and it didn't finish, and there were accidents all over the place, and I did not understand what happened. And I'm, Wilbon's not going to be able to explain it to me. <laughs> he's not going to know. No, he's not. I just that. all of a sudden it was over. Yeah, I, 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 I was confused by it as well. How beautiful are those coasters? Oh, they're great. How beautiful it's a really are those good coasters? Job. You've got the the sort of the burnished, the varnished wood ones. Yeah. And these are like slate. Stone, slate. Yeah. No, these are great. Yeah. Love them. We'll take a break. Is it Wilbon first or Wil- is it Wilbon um, first from Jason first? Yes. Wilbon. All right. Michael Wilbon, when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss. Five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a group called The Henrys. Was sent us by Brian Zoll of the Henrys. It's a band based in Charlotte, North Carolina. He lives in the Manassas, Virginia area. Though. The song he's submitting is Take My Hand. It's off our first self-released album called Cross-Eyed Cat. The album's available on all the usual digital platforms. The song has been in the top 20 of homegrown underground sounds. Hugs Radio, top 200 chart since October 6, 2022. Currently sitting at number three on that chart. That's nice. The Henrys own and control all the rights to this song. The Henrys. Take my hand, playing in Michael Wilbur. So I didn't watch a single play of the All-Star game, and I'll tell you exactly why. It took so long to get to the game. There was so much to I just couldn't stand it, and I didn't watch it. And you can tell me how great it was if you want, but I don't think you cared about it. But let's get to the most important thing which is that Joe Lenardi now has you as a seven or a six. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's got I – I don't know the latest seed this morning. I think he'll come out with something new today, Tony. I'm going to tell you the All-Star game was great. I didn't watch his play. Yeah. I didn't. It's a two-hour layup line. Yeah. And I told you for weeks, for weeks, months, actually years, I've screamed at the league to put a game out there of international stars versus U.S. stars. And they don't put anything out there. It's a two-hour layup line. Why yeah. did I watch that? Yeah, I didn't watch. And so I don't. So I don't. I, I can't tell you what happened in it because I didn't watch any of it. I watched my guys last night. Northwestern beat Iowa for our fifth consecutive win. Uh, a, a huge week to beat Purdue, Indiana, and Iowa. It is. It's we tremendous. Lost nine straight games to Iowa, including I think by like forty last year in the Big Ten tournament. Iowa had tortured us. And so we beat Fran McCaffrey, who was thrown out of the game. Well, he's a maniac. And we beat Iowa by 20, and they hadn't lost the game by 20 in, 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 I don't know, a couple of years at least. So 
It's amazing. I know you have a saying. I, I worry that at the end of a season every year, somebody doesn't make it that you think is in. You're a because six. They, because they Listen to me. Because they lose four or five in a row. Right. And the people in the room say, yeah, you know, that's a real bad way to finish. And we got games, we, look, as good as we are right now, we're in second place. Northwestern is in second place solo, alone, in the Big Ten. But we've got at Rutgers, at Illinois, we got a home game with senior against Penn State. We better win that game. And there's an at I'm forgetting that is losable at Rutgers, at Illinois, or something else. And you don't want to go out, Tony, losing four straight games plus your Big Ten tournament game because they will put you out. I've seen it. They're not putting you out. You beat the I, number I, one team, then you beat the only other ranked team in the Big Ten, yep. and then you beat Iowa. No, they're not. You're, you're I, in. I hope not. I hope you're right. I want you to be right. This is a, you're in. This is, the, this is the best team. This is the best regular season team we have ever had. That's great. In 100 years. That's great. You know, I think I'm I'm totally convinced you're in. I don't know that you're going to be a six seed like Lenardi has now. It depends. It does depend depends on how how you you finish. What you want to avoid is an eight nine is okay. You want to avoid those games. You want to avoid the first four games, the play in round. You want to avoid. Yeah, look, we don't. We're 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 not. You know. we can't be choosy, Tony. You got one trip to the tournament in 100 years. I know. So wherever we are, that's where we are. I, but yes, look, we were we were eight nine in 2017. Beat Vanderbilt uh, in the first game, and then got hosed against number one seed, number one ranked Gonzaga. Hosed. Oh, I'll give you one that you don't want. It, well, the other ad is at Maryland. That's a tough game. That's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got Maryland Thursday night. That's a tough game. So we've got nope. Maryland. Illinois Rutgers, Thursday night. Oh, yeah, Illinois and, Thursday night. Illinois Thursday night. And, and we beat Illinois. They're looking for revenge. I understand, these but you're are, a better these, team. These, these are, you know. You're the second place team in the Big Ten. Today. That's Today. right. Yep, proud of it. Right, proud and, of and it. you should feel good Chris about Collins, that. People are, people are talking about his coach of the year in the Big Ten. Fran McCaffrey. After getting thrown out last night, said, by the way, Chris Collins, coach of the year. Mm, good for him. Good if that's true. If it's that's true, that would be great. It's, it seems to me it'd be hard if Matt Painter sits at number one for 12 or 13 weeks. It'd be hard to not give it to Matt Painter, but maybe. Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe. Because you, what were you picked? What were you picked at the beginning of the year? 13th, right? 13th out of 14 or 13th out of 16, whatever it is. Yeah. 13th. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're going to have to talk about Mac McClung today. Yeah, yes, sir. Um, what are your feelings about that? I mean, Tony, I don't have any controversial feelings. I just don't. And controversy is just churned up on social media, and that's where it lives, it exists, it's born. And then it carries the story, and we don't have to do that. But Mac McClung has some – look, nobody – Doubting from what I heard, and I didn't watch it in lifetime. I was going back and watching it because the controversy was everywhere. That Kevin Durant apparently tweeted, "Hey, All Stars, why aren't more All Stars in this league participating in All Star Weekend?" Which is a completely legitimate thing to tweet. It's a great observation. Um, and then Max McClung, who obviously is. Not even in the league. It's not in the league. He's not in the league. 
he wins the dunk contest by throwing down stuff that is insane. And everybody goes nuts, and they start screaming, they had, take that, Kevin, you're a hater, you know, some of the stuff that he probably screams at other people half the time. And they start saying, you know, there you go, you're hating on a guy who's not even the league. Well, he wasn't. He didn't do that. He didn't do it. It's a lie. But that doesn't stop social media. And so then the question becomes, and I think Dominique Wilkins, among others, said, this guy saved the dunk contest. Now, I don't know if that's going too far. i got to read some more and see what other people thought. But, I mean, I, here's what I know. Julius Irving and Dominique Wilkins stood there cheesing with this kid, hugging him, saying, son, yes, you are a worthy part of what we have thrown out there. I mean, the, the only other person who could bless you in that group, the Holy Trinity, is Michael Jordan, and he wasn't there. Dominique Wilkins and Julius Irving? Anybody want to, like, step up and say, I, my opinion is more important when it comes to dunking than theirs, because that would be a lie. So my feeling about this is pretty simple. I think the dunk contest has been played out for a long time. I don't care about it anymore. But I think two things. You say this often. Both things can be true. This kid's not even in the league. He's on a two-way contract from the G League. He's not even in the league. Now, we know him. Because he was a recruit by Patrick Ewing, and then he left Patrick Ewing because Patrick Ewing yelled at him all the time. And maybe if he'd kept them, Georgetown wouldn't be 2-87 and 87 in the Big East recently. <laughs> but it is true that he's not in the league. It's All-Star Weekend. It's not just that. The skills competition. I, I didn't know any of the people in the skills competition. Giannis Antetokounmpo's brother was in it. Your I brother, Antetokounmpo's, but this is why Kevin Durant tweeted what he well, tweeted. He's right. Kevin Durant is right. If you're going to have an all-star weekend, have all-stars. What is also true is Mac McClung's dunks were spectacular. They were. They were, they were great. They were. So I don't know what we're supposed to do with this, but an all-star weekend, and, and you have all of your competitions, basically, you don't even know who's in them. You don't know the names of these people. Well, three, the three-point contest. You know, That's you different. Know. Okay, but the skills, yeah. I didn't know anybody. Uh, yeah, I, you know. And I, then, I, I may know them, but. And then they had that thing that you coached one year. That yeah, the, yeah, the celebrity. celebrity. I didn't know any of those people. Well, Tony, because you're not, it, it's not even, tar- it's not meant for you. Right. It's like the Grammys. It's not meant for me. It's not meant for you. And it's, it's, it's not meant for me. I was in it. So there are people, Tony, this is instructive. There are people that I, quote, unquote, coached, Stephen A. and I, who are now massive stadium selling out headliners, like Bad Bunny. Big Bunny. It's his brother. It's like Antetokounmpo's brother, (laughs) Big Bunny and Bad Bad Bunny. Bunny. Bad Bunny. Yeah. Right? Right. It's Bad Bunny. So there are people who do this, and I had common. I had big stars. There were big stars in that game in Chicago in the – I don't know. In the in the in the in the game that Stephen and I coached, big stars, big network stars, big stadium selling out stars. It does. How many would you have known three years ago when we did that? None. I don't know. I think you would have known half of them. None. You know who Common is. I know who he is. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys. You know who they are. I don't know how many. I, there are times I have to pick up a phone. I take a picture quickly. 
I called my 14-year-old, and I said, Matthew, who is this? Yeah, who is this person? <laughs> and he knows all of them. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's aimed at him. Jalen Rose sent me... It's like the Grammys. It, it, yes, Jalen Rose sent me a great pair of uh, slides. And I saw them, I, saw, I said, Jalen, how can I get a pair of those? They look great, they look comfortable. And he goes, I got you, I'll send them to you. So they arrive at the house, and Matthew sees the box and faints. And they're because they're 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 designed by somebody. They're worn by, you know, stars of fashion and and, and influence. And they're like called something by God or I I don't know because I'm not in Washington where their shoes have arrived. I got to call and thank Jalen. And all I get is Matthew saying, "Dad, seriously, seriously, you have these? You now have these? Yes, I have them. What are they called? They're called something something God." Sham God. God, 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 Sham God. God. That's what they're and, called. They're, and, and so, Megan the Stallion. We the the get it right. The Stallion. So these these are the. And by, and by the way, Tom, it's not Tony Bennett anymore. He's been dead for a while. Even yeah. Tony, even the great Tony Bennett. And so the people that populate these things, no, they're not meant for you and me. No, I understand. But it, it doesn't mean this thing isn't a runaway influencer of all the chatter of the weekend. That's fine. But the game itself, yeah. I'm not watching a two-hour layup line. I'm not doing that. Did you watch the golf? You watched the golf. Yeah, of course I did. Yeah. Rom's really good. Rom. He's number one player in the world. It, it was, the golf wasn't, you know, let's not get carried away. The golf was fun. Yeah. It was a location that you and I wish we could play frequently. Yeah. I've played it, I don't know, maybe a half dozen times, Riviera. Um, it's hosted by Tiger Woods, whatever that means. And it's cool. It's cool to watch, you know, golf be played at that level every year. It was not, not turned into... It's not a major. You know, a, the, or it, it, not even not a major. It wasn't something that was down to the wire necessarily, even though if Homer throws that chip in, right. that little pitch shot, then maybe it turns into something else. But, yeah, it was a weekend in which I thought college basketball was legitimately... You know, Northwestern aside, college basketball, men's and women's, was legitimately something worth watching. Did you watch at any point the Daytona 500? Yeah, I, I did not, but I did last night. I don't understand what happened. So I was watching. Extra, they had to have overtime what? For, for Ricky Stenhouse. I, I, I read about it. You know, the, the, the owner of the car, the first time... They, uh, the, the ownership of the car includes a woman and a black man, Brad Doherty, number 43. Oh, okay. Girls. Right. Why did Brad Doherty win number 43? Because his idol was Richard Petty. That's right. 43 car. And you and I talked about this, about North Carolina people. It's in their blood. We talked about black people of color. In their blood. From North Carolina, including Michael Jeffrey Jordan. They never had the pro teams when well, they were growing up. And this was their sport. It was. Like, this leads people like me, my dear friend Robbie Petty, who was at the race with these guys. This leads me to make fun of, we've, we, other black folks, this is something we can do, and I'm sure that, you know, somebody would cringe. And I might call Michael to his face, black redneck, because you like NASCAR. I, I, it's not that I might call him that to him. face. that you have. I have called him that. Right. I call Robbie Petty that all the time. Because this is not something growing up in Chicago, Illinois. 
that I knew anybody, even though my dad, being from Georgia, was a gearhead. But so there's an interesting, I don't know if that's a sidelight to Ricky Stenhouse's. Is it Ricky Stenhouse? I, just, I didn't understand it. I thought Kyle Busch was going to win. They kept saying Kyle Busch is a great driver and he's going to win. And then there's a restart, and 10 seconds into every restart, in the back of the pile, there's 80 there's a, cars. Eight, well, why, I don't understand. How's that happen? He, he didn't even finish second, did he? No. Uh, I know. So I, I don't. I got to go back. I mean, they must have that. called the race at some point. They just called but, it. But they, no, they didn't call it. They had to have their rules. It was 15 more laps. I think it went instead of. I think it went 15 extra laps. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. One, the longest they told me, I'll go back and look at it because I think we're going to talk about that. Yeah. Um. And so there's a lot of stuff that happened. I don't know how much of it was compelling. Again, Daytona has this added cultural element for some of us that may or may not be very important. I got to, I got to delve in. I got to, I'm going to call Robbie Petty when I hang up with you and say, explain to me what happened. Yeah. What happened? All right. I'll talk to you later. All right. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls. We'll take a break. Jason Lockenfora will join us. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser show. Dave Smith sent this in. His current release is Dave Smith and Friends Reflections CD. It's a final mix of a tune that I wrote about a man that wakes up in the morning and discovers that his hands look similar to his father's hands just before his father passed. This serves as a reminder that he is now an old man, putting in play many thoughts about his own remaining time on Earth. The personnel on this is Steve Nelson is playing the acoustic bass. He used to play with Captain and Tennille. Um, Alan Magini is playing guitar. Marty Walsh playing solo guitar. Played with Seals and Crofts, Eddie Kendricks, Leanne Rimes. Wow. Craig Thomas, Albert Einstein High School, class of 1968. Soprano, sax solo, and lead vocal. Played with Jim Messina and Aretha Franklin. Ken Strange on the keyboards. Played with Paul Anka. David Smith, Albert Einstein High School, class of 67. Played on Apocalypse Now, Missing, Wayland and Madam. Michael Jackson, Ray Charles. Wow. Louis Conte percussion. Wow. Played with James Taylor and Phil Collins. Almost forgot the engineer and the owner of the recording studio is Cal Campbell, Glenn Campbell's son. Dave Smith and Friends. It's called Old Man Hands. It's wonderful. Michael, if people like Dave Smith want to send in their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonykornizershow.com in the real test. So when you get to that par three, look down at the club at your hand and realize you're hitting driver to 157-yard par three. Four club wind in my face. Sure. Yeah, and I'm an old man, and I'm old not man swinging hands. hard. Old man. old man hands. That's what I got. <laughs> Jason Lockenford joins us. A lot of things I want to talk about in the NFL, and I want to talk about the Baltimore Orioles a little bit. But I got to ask you this. The XFL debuted this weekend. All eight teams played. There were four games on television, including the local team here, the D.C. Defenders, who won. And in the roundup, it was two paragraphs. That's all it was. Is there, is there appetite? Because the, when, the, when the XFL is done, I guess the USFL is going to start. Yeah. Is there appetite? Well, not for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't spend any time on it whatsoever. Um, I, I just kind of got away a little bit from football. Um, right. Kind of took a deep breath. I. There's no doubt that it's it's the king of sports in this country. Um, there's there's no doubt that I think that this whatever uh, football infrastructure could support more than 32 teams. 
Um, the NFL chooses 32, but, but there certainly could be more. Um, and the season, I, I think, you know, there's owners who are going to continue to push for the season to be longer, and, and I would be shocked if three years down the line, a little closer to um, some inflection points in this collective bargaining agreement that you don't start hearing a whole lot more about pushing it out another week um, and yeah. adding, you know, a week of regular season and, and maybe, a, 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 you know, a second bye week and really kind of pushing it a little more into um, deeper, even deeper into February. President's Weekend, where your Monday is a holiday like today. Yeah. yeah. Yes, and you eventually get something pretty huge by NFL standards every month. You know, each month will have some signature event. Um, you know, you've got draft, you've got, you know, start of free agency, you've got some league meetings, um, you know, start of OTAs, all that stuff. So, I, I, yes, long-winded answer is I think there is um, more pent-up demand. I think starting it one week after the Super Bowl might be a little bit ambitious. And, um, you know, I, I think there is certainly room for some other league, and it would be one that is best tethered to the NFL in some capacity involving players, young players who have been on practice squads but haven't played that much. Um, I do think there's a model that could work and could be somewhat sustainable, kind of like the World League was for a while, but based domestically. Um, I'm not sure either of these two are it. Um, they'll probably end up swallowing themselves up to a certain degree. Um, but they've got you know some smart people behind them, and they're doing some, some innovative things, I think, in their own way. Um, but I think that the idea that it's it's sort of so minor league, you know, I, I it's 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 so other than the NFL. Right. I just don't think in this country people get into that. You know, like if 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 you're you know, and even the G League and the NBA is not like you know the NFL in terms of I think the overall appeal. You know, but even something like the G League, they've had to been pretty carefully how they've crafted that over the years and and what the expectations are for it in terms of viewership and things like that. I think an NFL spring league um, with players on NFL contracts could certainly far surpass the G League, but I, I think the timing of it um, would be key. And, and I just think on the heels of the Super Bowl, and some people haven't even totally digested that, we still have coaching staff that aren't put together yet. You know, I, I don't know that people are ready to jump into this, this other thing a week later. I saw two things I liked, and I watched – a total of five minutes That's mm -hmm. in two days. I really like the kickoff. I'll explain it to people if they haven't seen it. A guy kicks off from where you normally kick off from, but his team, the defending team, is all the way down the field, maybe 15 or 20 yards from the receiving team mm -hmm. so that you don't build up a head of steam and kill the ball carrier. Yeah. And I liked that, and the NFL should adopt that now and I liked no point after touchdown kicks, none. You choose from one yard out, three yards right. out, or ten yards out, and you right. get proportionate reward, one point, yes. two points, three points. And I liked that, right? Yeah, I, I, I do think, again, that I'll use the word again, I think there are some innovations, some outside-the-box ways of approaching um, certain sort of spot ball plays, certain sort of special situation plays or, or – um, you know, things like kickoffs, that there's definitely a different way to reimagine those and rethink them and probably do them in, in a smarter way um, 
for health and safety primarily, yeah. but, but I think also, you know, just to make give these coaches sort of more decisions to to add layers of strategy, you know, fold that in even more and take things that had been maybe in the past dull and monotonous and just taken for granted, like, oh, of course he's going to do this, of course he's going to do that, um, and, and add a little sizzle to it. So I think the NFL in its own way will probably um, not want it to look like, hey, we're just, we're, you know what I mean, we're just going to grab that and take that for ourselves. You know, they, they kind of, you know, like to give the impression that, you know, they they are the innovators themselves, and you know everybody follows them. Every other sports league in the world, and yada yada yada. So I don't think it'd be knee jerk, Tony. You know what I mean? I don't think the competition committee is going to watch. I liked it. A couple weeks of these games, go down to their meetings. You know what I mean? In March, and say, hey, we need to get this, this, and this on right. the agenda because it looked pretty cool for two weeks. You know, of this other league. But I I think certainly you could see scenarios where things the the momentum for for some of those changes grows. And then, in its own way, because the NFL it's usually a snail's pace, um, adds adds some of these elements over time. Yeah, we did it. Look, the biggest change in all of sports in my lifetime is the three point shot in basketball, and that was an ABA construct. Mm-hmm. And when there was a merger, it went into the NBA, and nobody had any idea that it would change basketball. By the way, for the worse, because it has, yeah. but it's an enormous change. Let's go to the Orioles. Um, cause I'm going to ask you about to plug your radio show and your radio okay. show is going to have to deal with the Orioles. They were the most surprising baseball team of all last year. Yes. They finished over 500 in a killer division with 19 games against every other team, killer division. And they did really well. Who gets the credit for this? And what do you think of the, the catcher and the pitchers? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of the credit has to go to Michael Elias, you know, the general manager who was brought in. He was the, the, the massive sort of major hire that, that John Angelos made at the time, um, who now is the team's sort of principal day-to-day owner because their father, Peter Angelos, has been incapacitated right. and there's obviously been a squabble, which advanced beyond a squabble to a full-blown legal fight that was recently squashed with with the parties. Um, Louis Angelos, the other son, was suing his mom and his brother, uh, that's now been um, put to bed. I'm sure there was some sort of major set, major settlement, what have you. Um, so I think you look at the signature moves in, in this rebuild, and, and I give John Angelos credit for realizing that they had to totally reset this. They had to stop doing these sort of, these sort of half-assed um, approaches to the, the off-season, and they had to get real about international signing. They had to get real about player uh, development. They had to get real about research and technology and having the same infrastructure that these other franchises had in their minor league affiliates. And, and um, they had to get real about rebuilding, actually building an analytics department. They had to get real about building a, a, a state-of-the-art academy in the Dominican, which is almost finished. It would have been finished if not for COVID. Um, and so they, they did a lot. They checked a lot of those boxes. And then um, Michael Elias put together a, a, a world-class staff, and, and he did it with, with more, again, budget and, and, and uh, resources from ownership. And then they went out and put together a, a roster, not just major league, but throughout the minor leagues that is, most people would say, is the best in the industry. I mean, Baseball really? America and Baseball Prospectus and all these various their fan graphs, like they're all looking at what the Orioles are doing and saying, 
you can go position by position, and they have one of the ten best prospects in baseball at third base, at shortstop, at second base. You know, uh, they had one at catcher. He just graduated. You know, left-hand pitcher, right-hand pitcher. Like, they have dudes who look like they can do it at the major league level in all these spots, and the first wave started to crash on these shores up here at Camden Yards last year with, with Adley Rushman coming up in May, and the Orioles played at a 90-win pace. Actually, well, more than a 90-win pace from the point Adley arrived in the middle That's of May on. And they did so, as you said, Tony, tough and, division. despite playing in, in, in a monster division. I yeah. mean, the NL East is no joke either, but um, yeah, the, the AL East last year was a bear. And um, I'm pretty bullish on, on where they are. They, they could use another starting pitcher, and I think that by the trade deadline, they will use some of those assets I just talked about and package them to get a proven starting pitcher. Uh, Corbin Burns from the Milwaukee Brewers, who's pretty pissed off at them after they took him to uh, the cleaners in arbitration, um, is one of the people I've been watching for a long time, sort of have my eye on. I think Adley Rutschman is already the first or second best catcher in baseball. Um, you could put JT Romuto ahead of him, absolutely. I, I think by the end of the year, not too many people will still be doing that. I think Gunnar Henderson is well-positioned to win the AL Rookie of the Year at third base. Um and there's some other really inter- interesting prospects Are on the way. Are they getting and, and crowds? Because it would be sad. There was about a six would, or eight-year period. You'd look at the game, and it would be sad that nobody I, would be there. I think it started to pick up the second half last year, and I'm hopeful that it will this year. They changed starting times, made them a little earlier. Um, you know, the schedule is more balanced now. So you lose a little bit of that allure by not playing the AL East team I all the time. I hate the new schedule. The standings. It makes those games... Hey. You know, against the whoever, the Angels more attractive because they matter more in the standings. I think what they did to the ballpark last year, I know a lot of purists hated it, but if you look at what it did for their pitching staff and you look at um, what it did for, for their ability to, to win games in the outfield because their outfield defense is better than yours and now you have all this voluminous more space that you need to yeah. cover in left field, that's huge. Um, that was a huge factor. And they've also sort of predicated this rebuild on accumulating as many shortstops as possible, as many super athletic, twitchy kids, high school, college, whatever, who at least look like they could play some degree of shortstop in the major leagues. And I mentioned that, and a lot of them are left-handed. And, and that's the culmination of now the shifts going away, and these shortstops can play five, six different positions on the diamond. Your second baseman, you can't just stash a wannabe DH any there, not without the shift. A lot of them can, these shortstops can switch naturally to second base where they've already played a lot in the minors. And now you've got plus-plus fieldings, you've got plus-plus athleticism, and they made the bases bigger. It should be easier to steal. A lot of these guys have at least 15 to 20 steal potential at the major league level. So I think they've done this really smart, really calculated. They're going to have to open up the coffers more and spend more money. John Angelo says he will at the appropriate time. To your point, Tone, I think as the crowds start coming back and if they do build the kind of momentum they started to last year and they make a trade to add a legitimate player at the deadline instead of trade one, uh, you know, I think they'll hang around. But the computers don't like them. Pakoda, a lot of these projection systems still have them regressing from 83 wins to about 74. Um, but I, I think they'll be in the fight. I think they'll compete for the final wild card. It's probably going to take 86 wins to get there. I'm not sure they'll get there. But I'm not buying that they're going backwards. Hmm, see, we did this whole segment without Aaron Rodgers. 
Doesn't that oh, make you happy? We can, we, I'm always up for that. He's the gift <laughs> that keeps on giving. He has one more day in the Dungeon of Darkness. And then Pat McAfee comes He back. might lose track of days, Tony. He might end up being there for like it's possible. Uh, 10 days, and he has no idea. It just felt like four days to him. Just amazing. It's his world. We're just living in it. It's just amazing. <laughs> He'll be out of there. I'm yeah. telling you. The yeah. Raiders. Yeah. Yeah, That's. I sort of think that, too. Do you know where Derek Carr is going? You have sense of I that? I think the Jets. I mean, I'll go back to what I, I the big sort of quarterback primer I wrote at the Washington yeah. Post probably five six weeks ago. So I had Brady going to San Francisco. Had he decided he still wanted to play football, I think that's where he was going. And I thought, you know, talking to the people that I trust in the league and kind of connecting dots, you know, we we kind of thought Carr to the Jets and Rodgers to the Raiders. And I think at least one of those dominoes falls this week. Derek Carr should get that done this week. There's no reason. Mm-hmm. Not to. He knows what his market is. He knows that the floodgates are about to open, and he might as well get his deal before you can negotiate with other people. Makes sense because he's free, and the others are not necessarily yeah. free. Okay, he plug- can go ahead and consummate a full contract. Right. These other guys have to wait till the start of the league year. Plug um, the radio the show for us, Jason. Plug the radio show. I'm sorry. Plug your radio show. Oh, uh, absolutely. Anytime you can listen to more of this. Yammering, and, and especially in the Orioles department, because we are talking more and more about the O's. Uh, from 2 to 6 daily on Inside Access on 105.7 The Fan. You can listen anywhere on the Odyssey app or streaming at www.1057thefan.com. You can catch me talking some betting on Sportsline as well on the weekends. And uh, probably in, in a month or so, ramping up some draft coverage for the Washington Post. Good. So stay tuned. Jason Locke and Fora, boys and girls, we will take a break. Um, we will have email and jingle when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Lovely. You want to do the Bethesda Bagel Lab? Got the bagel sandwiches today, as we do on Mondays. Generally, we love them. We love Bethesda Bagels. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in, and you'll be thrilled. Um, this Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, like a country morning all smothered and dew. She's got a way to make a man feel shiny and new, and she sings in the evening old familiar tunes. And she feeds me love and tenderness and macaroons. Sweet, sweet city woman. I can see your face. I can hear your voice. I can almost touch you. That's by... Stampeders. Yeah, the Stampeders. It's their only song. Sweet, I think it's Sweet City Woman. Pretty much their only song. I don't like it. Oh, you're not a fan? I'm not a fan. Oh, I thought we'd, no. we'd gone back and forth on this. I think it's this. a whiny <laughs> song. I think it's a pretentious, whiny song. My, my apologies. I thought you were a bigger it's fan okay. of it. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon and Jason Lockenfora. Thanks to our sponsors, ZipRecruiter, Indochino, and Priceline. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, Please leave us a review. We have to get to this Michael Granberry thing somewhere down the road. But 
We're going to start with a haiku for the Puna. And this is from Shad. Parents were lucky. Weren't reading Henry Miller's Tropic of Cancer. (laughs) From Marcy Dillon, episode 109 of Roxy. (laughs) Our beloved Beagle Mix Bailey died last month after 16 and a half years. I got him from the Washington Animal Rescue League on Oglethorpe Street Northwest 15 years ago, so losing him has been hard. That's where we got Chessie. But hearing your discussion on the Puna brought back wonderful dog memories as (coughs) Chirp, Bailey, Crockett, McCarthy, Dillon was known to many as the bug. We don't even remember how it started, but he was the bug for the entire time I had him. As for the other names, Chirp was his pound name and he became Chirp Bailey to honor Champ. Bailey Crockett, because he was king of the wild frontier of the DC suburbs. (laughs) We had so much joy with my now almost six-year-old calling through the house, house, bug, bug, where are you? And then the two of them snuggling. Thank you, Mr. Tony, for making a sad time much more bearable. From Tom Levin in Charlotte, North Carolina. So you grumbled for 10 minutes about all the Super Bowl commercials and how you hated 95% of them, but you didn't think to mention the Tillamook Super Bowl commercial. Come on, man, what are we even doing here? I didn't hate them all. Wilbon hated them yeah, all. Yeah, Wilbon despised all of them. me. And by the way, it was the Tillamook, uh, Tillamook rather... Um, it's not ice cream. No, it was the it's cheese. cheese. Yeah, it was the other stuff. Aaron and Olney, I was waiting for someone to run on the field and steal one of those puffy coats. Uh, from Bill Matfield in Fort Mill, South Carolina. All this talk of Primanti Brothers is driving me nuts. I lived for 15 years in South Florida before moving to the Charlotte area. The thing I miss most about South Florida, you ask? The beach? No. The 70-degree winter days? No. Being able to see the Nats or Capitals play when they were in town? No. Primanti Brothers, that's what I miss the most. Yes, that Primanti Brothers, that bastion of Pittsburgh culture, has three stores that I know of in Broward County. There's a 24-7 Primanti Brothers on the corner of A1A and Sunrise, where the owners allegedly threw the keys to the store into the ocean. They also have a store on Oakland Park Boulevard, I know that, that some work buddies and I would go to for lunch from time to time. I was told these were the only Primanti Brothers outside of Western Pennsylvania, but that could be wrong. My favorite was the Italian sausage with a vinegar slaw, French fries, and a fried egg. Most people at the Oakland Park and Sunrise locations would get the pizza. My buddy who went to Pitt would actually order the salad. Come on, man. But I guess he was tired of abusing his body. (laughs) From Dennis, I don't know how to pronounce this, O-B-Y-C, Obik, Obik from Powell, Ohio. Listening to the show on Monday, February 13th, I was struck by the emailer from Pittsburgh discussing the Primanti Brothers sandwiches. Mention of these sandwiches always brings a sentimental reaction from me. My late father-in-law worked in the produce industry in Wheeling, West Virginia, a mere 60 miles from Pittsburgh. That's why a lot of pit athletes go to West Virginia. Pittsburgh was where his drivers would go pick up the produce to sell. He would frequently tell me of the origin of Primanti Brothers sandwiches. He said that the produce delivery truckers who went to the produce yards in Pittsburgh, known as the Strip District, would have little time to stop to eat. The Primanti Brothers shop would provide these sandwiches of meat, coleslaw, and french fries, all within the confines of two thick slices of Italian bread. They were ready to, a ready-to-go meal for the truckers so they could eat without losing much time. My own father loved these sandwiches, and we would get them on our visits to Pittsburgh, seeing family there. To this day, I still get these sandwiches whenever in Pittsburgh as one way to remember both my father and father-in-law. As an aside to the person who I'm related to by marriage, has taken, generally taken a very limited at best interest in this podcast. However, I've gotten her to at least, at least chuckle a bit about the Galena Africa Road traffic reports in past <laughs> podcasts. Powell's very close to this area, and we know it well from transporting five kids and two grandchildren throughout the area. I'm counting both of these as my David Aldrich moments until I have better ones. From Jolene, again, Jolene Rojic in Grand Island, Nebraska. 
When Michael asked you about eating salad during the no foods touching discussion, you didn't answer. You said it's just salad. No, Tony, it's not just salad. The correct way is eat the tomatoes first, then the cucumbers, then the croutons, then the diced hard-boiled egg. If the cheese is kind of clumped together, eat that. If not, it is allowable to consume the cheese with the lettuce. That is how you eat your salad. Hey, how's your back? Hope you're getting some relief. I, I did well until last night because of the golf, but that's okay. From Gabe Gibson in New York City. Michael, explain to me Rihanna. I've never seen Willy Wonka. I've been to a Target, never been to a Whole Foods or a Costco, but I've been to a Target. Tony K on his everlong quest to relate to the common man. <laughs> From Jeff Barger in Hillsborough, North Carolina. On Monday's show, you mentioned the new Matt Damon movie, Air, which portrays the story of the signing of Michael Jordan to a shoe deal. Damon actually plays Nike salesman Sonny Vaccaro. Oh, I thought he played Phil Knight. Sonny no. Vaccaro. While the director of the movie, Ben Affleck, plays Phil Knight. I'm oh, intrigued, okay. but I'm holding out for a movie about the origin of PF Flyers. Sonny Vaccaro was so big in, in high school basketball. I mean, that was he did all those summer camps. He did all those all-star games. Brian in Long Valley, New Jersey. Listening to the pod in the car has become routine, and you have managed to win over the woman to whom I'm related by marriage. So much so, so that she generally gets aggravated when I don't have a new episode to listen to when we're in the car together. The show is starting to sway the kids in my house as well. My seven-year-old feminine child now requests the Tom Mosser mailbag jingle at least twice on her way to school every day. She then follows that up with a few renditions of her version of the song. Finally, we have to follow that up with some of her favorite My Dog Ate What emails. My 10-year-old feminine child isn't quite as enthusiastic, but last week, as you were describing the benefit of not allowing your food to touch on the plate, a scream comes from the back seat. See, I'm not a psycho. Tony eats the same way I do. While I don't agree with how you or my daughter eats, thanks for getting two of my girls to listen to a podcast that stinks with their old man. Um... From uh, Joseph from Barcelona in Catalonia in Spain. I've been wow. there. An award-winning German ballet director has been suspended after smearing dog feces on a critic's face. <laughs> Just brilliant. <laughs> That's a great Just headline. Brilliant. How can one not click on that story? From Davy Crockett. But not that Davy Crockett. King of the Wild Frontier? In Gardendale, Alabama. <laughs> I don't know who recently brought up Davy Crockett and his raccoon hat on the show, but that is starting to get into my territory. <laughs> I come from lineage, but unfortunately still waiting on my royalty checks for all those visitors to the Alamo. As soon as I get them, I'll deposit them remotely on my bank app. Talk to Michael. Anyway, never had a reason to email the show, but you've provided me with years of entertainment and much joy. To hear my name spoken was a treat, much like the dark pretzel lightly salted. Love mm. the sports, but round table with your friends is the guts of the show for me. My roommate by marriage just accepts that when I bring up Tony as if talking about my neighbor, that I'm actually talking about the show, which I have zero friends from. Anyway, while I'm here, if it's not taken, could I be the official defender of the Alamo, even if I lost? <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> sure. Oh, this is very long. Zach, this was short. Zach England in Las Vegas. I watched the Super Bowl with Nate Bargatze's dad. How about that? That's it. That's the email. Did he take Larry Fitzgerald for another grand? That's what we want to know. From Anthony Volante in New Hartford, New York. If Aaron Rodgers sees his shadow coming out of his darkness retreat, does that mean six more weeks of winter or an early spring? No, it means one more year of football. One more year of football. One more, and this is long. And this is from Mike Mulvihill. I hope it's pronounced. He's the game development manager in Ravensburg, of Ravensburger in North America in Seattle, Washington. Okay. okay. First time I'm writing to the show, although I've been listening since the ESPN radio days. 
Usually there's not a big overlap in my life, ex-Chicago and now living in Seattle. And your sports-adjacent podcast that focuses on D.C. traffic, upstate New York summer camps, golf, Pennsylvania summer camps, and grocery prices of ice cream. But after listening last week, I realized, hey, I can help. I heard your painful wails about being in sports prison now that football is over. You see, I may be able to send you a box of that. I work as a board game designer for Ravensburger. I pronounced it wrong. Ravensburger, North America. I specialize in family games. My company also makes kid games. Do they do puzzles? Do they? And we are probably known by most as the creator of the best puzzles in the world. The boys are very into these puzzles. (laughs) Let's send the puzzles. You can spend your time playing game. Um, building a puzzle and having all kinds of fun. No, seriously, that will never happen. I make a product that cannot be further away from anything that interests you. There's no way you would sit down, read game rules, and then deal with other humans at Uncle Benny's table for an hour playing my games or build a puzzle. No, the kids build puzzles. Carol builds puzzles. Or do an activity with the boys. I'd love to. I'd love to do an activity. All I can imagine you is yelling representative into your phone after like two minutes (laughs) and then texting Michael or Nigel. Uh, I'm pretty sure this whole concept have you, has you already wondering how you can escape and walk the dog. So I guess it's really a box of that for everyone else that has to deal with your enforced incarceration. Pass this on to Michael, Nigel, Carol, or anyone else that has to hear you talk about the moon stages or how the Nationals blew another save or if the Wizards are still in the NBA. And here is our website, and let me know what I can do for your prison time, which I pass across the table to Michael as I say, if you're out on your bike tonight, as always, do wear white. One year, baby. <laughs> One year. Might be the night Just 